Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Scrapyard. I'm your host, Nathan Mulepolder, joined here by Taylor. Hi. And Xavier. The Jordan documentary is my life right now. Today, we join you once again from a place where we are locked up inside because of reasons that apparently get you demonetized on YouTube. But hey, we don't make money from YouTube anyway, so I'll just come out and say it. COVID-19, the novel coronavirus. Uh, yeah, so we're, you know, on a Zoom meeting with Xavier, and we're going to be talking about the Overwatch League. More specifically, we're going to be talking about the Mabe Madness Tournament, the future of contenders, Vancouver Titans, and the league in general. Just wanted to shout out real quick that we do have a new YouTube video up about some of the worst teams in the league. Additionally, more videos will be coming out more regularly now that, you know, things are more sorted out than they were before. Uh, I wanted to thank you guys who have been patient uh, with us, even though we haven't been releasing as much content as we normally would have. You know, things are complicated right now. But if you want to keep up to date with us through these trying times, you can do so on Twitter and Instagram at Scrapyard Media. Uh, of course, we have a Discord if you'd like to hop in there and talk to us, talk to us about your experience with Overwatch League during this time, anything like that. You can do that down in the description below. And you can find us anywhere that we exist in podcasts at Scrap Media and on YouTube. Roll intro. So getting right into this, we are going to start off talking about the May Madness Tournament. So it's also going to involve the team records, map scores, standard tiebreakers in those qualifier matches, and uh, will determine team seeding in two regional tournaments in North America, May 22nd and through the 24th, and then Asia, May 23rd through the 24th. The teams competing in each region for the May qualifying matches and tournaments include these teams from North America. Xavier, go ahead, take it away. We got Atlanta. Boston, Dallas, Florida, Houston, Los Angeles, times two, uh, Paris, Philadelphia, San Francisco, Toronto, Vancouver, and Washington. And in Asia, we got, uh, you know, the Asian squad that's been playing it super late at night. We got Chengdu, Guangzhou, Hangzhou, uh, London Spitfire, New York Excelsior, Shanghai Dragons, and the Seoul Dynasty. Go ahead. I think my first thing is, thank God we're doing tournaments and finding a reason for me to care about any of these games because right now, like I don't think a regular season works at this point, you know, with, with all the homestands being taken away because a season needs a narrative and the biggest narrative that the overwatch league had now that they took away stages and, and, you know, all these extra little things that kept us interested during the season was homestands. That was kind of like the driving force behind all these games. So even a boring Boston versus Washington game is fun because it's happening in Boston. And that's like the driving force behind the season. But now that home games are gone, we don't have that momentum. We have no reason to care about... We had no reason to care about really any of the games last week, to be honest. And so adding in these tournaments really help create narratives and give us a reason to care. It adds stakes because the championship game, when it happens, is going to be three months away. 
So we need something to care about now, and this tournament is perfect for that because every game through May is going to be important because there's seeding implications. And then once we get to the tournament, you know, one and done, baby. Like, you got to win. It's win or go home, and that's super exciting. I, I love tournaments, and I think that this is exactly what was needed to make people give a damn about any of the games that are happening in the league right now. Yeah, for sure. Because outside of like the teams that maybe you uh, you follow, it's not really. There's no real reason to watch any of the games because I tuned in for maybe like a couple of the like I watched the Chinese games because they're very interesting, which we'll get to later because we talk about because we're gonna talk about this week's games and etc. But it's just like if there's no real point in watching any of the, like, North America games, because when the season had been in, it was just, like, the, like, I guess, East Coast games, and then when we finally did get to go and see some of the West Coast games, it was all during this, like, safer-at-home, shelter-in-place kind of style, which it's like, cool, we haven't seen these teams, but now there's nothing really worth watching, which we'll talk about later, because it's very just meh and that's like because of how i think north american teams are coming towards the meta which is different in like the asian circuit because those are they do things different and we'll get more into that later but this definitely helps add some kind of narrative that's much needed and i think will help us push past some of these kind of draining to watch games because it's not very interesting to watch anything and i think i've been more interested in how they've been taking like photos in like the overwatch league instagram and how they have like photos of the plays in the game that look like actual like photos of like like sports photos like they actually look like sports photos and i found those more interesting than like half the content that i'm seeing in the game because it's not just, like, obviously there's going to be technical difficulties because there's a lot of things going on. But it's just, like, at a certain point, you're kind of, like, they're kind of running on the personalities that are behind the desk. And, again, they're not the, like, most interesting personalities. And some of them is their first time ever doing these kind of caster-related things. So it gets to the point where it's just kind of, like, I don't want to watch because there's no personality coming into it because we don't see the players who have personality we're only seeing the casters and then the desk that have varying ways of presenting their personality i i do feel like this tournament thing was kind of the plan all along uh because phil specter did an interview and it was basically like now we have the infrastructure to hold games between you know la and and philadelphia and ping isn't going to be an issue. So they clearly figured out like the server thing um, because that's important. I think this was something that they were looking at all along because if you look at the Call of Duty League, I mean, this tournament system works and it makes people actually care about the games. Like this weekend, I watched Call of Duty League. I didn't watch Overwatch League. I watched all the games after the fact. After Call of Duty League was on, before Call of Duty League was on, I was watching Overwatch League. But live... It was Call of Duty League all day because those games had stakes. 
there was a you know a championship weekend. It was this big tournament all weekend, and there were narratives into it. It was like Dallas Empire were, you know, conquered two of the titans of the of the league in Chicago and Atlanta and had this great tournament run. And there was a reason to tune in because it's like, wow, I wonder who's gonna win this tournament. And it was significantly mm-hmm. more interesting. And Call of Duty League had way more viewers than Overwatch. And I guarantee that was because there were stakes to these games. So I think this tournament does bring in some of these stakes that were much needed. And I, I I definitely think that the North American tournament is going to be a bloodbath. And I think it's going to be really cool to see who comes out of it. But I really think like the best tournament is going to be the Asian tournament because all of yeah, these teams just are fun. just yeah, all of these teams are fun. All these mm-hmm. teams are ridiculously skilled. Each team has like a star player. Each team has like a top level player in almost all their positions and in north america you do have some of those gimme games you have a boston you have a washington you have a a valiant sometimes but in the asian division every single team can like fuck your day up and even though Chengdu isn't winning a lot Chengdu is the only team to beat shanghai so that says something about Mm -hmm. Chengdu's ability to yeah Yeah, and shanghai is on like a seven game winning streak right now yeah and so you know guac Chengdu, you know, speaking of the Jordan documentary, uh, somebody referred to Dennis Rodman as just like a guy who comes in the game and just fucks things up. You know, he just he just ruins the flow. He he makes everything ugly, and that's what Chengdu does. And so, in a tournament format, it's not going to be like super shocking if Chengdu comes in and like beats up Hangzhou, beats up New York, and somehow beats Shanghai to win a tournament. And I think that's exciting these these tournament runs. So I, I'm I'm looking forward to them, and it's definitely going to like respark my interest in watching these games live instead of waiting until they're done and catching the you know the yeah, so that I can fast forward past everything that's like you know the cheese of grooves commercial and the Coca Cola commercial, and then I can fast forward past the like the game breaks that normally are not you know functioning at full capacity or at full uh full participation i just i feel like every time there's there's a game break something goes bad but they've been doing better so far like they they had they had post-game interview with note which i thought was really cool and i think it's just integrating these extra things apparently like none of the overwatch league players had like video cameras and so they couldn't do like face cams. So, you know, there's like all these weird things that pop up. But like in Call of Duty League, they're having interviews. They have the players on face cam. And it's these little things that Call of Duty has figured out. But I think that's just more of a cultural thing with them. Like all of them have a face cam. All of them, you know, do these certain things. So it's normal. But in Overwatch, like none of the players had a face cam. So like you got to get them a webcam. You know, all these little things that you need to do yeah, to and- ensure that you can actually have post-game interviews or, you know, interesting things like that. Yeah, and I mean, again, Zoe is kind of being the like the the brunt of everything. She's like, she is putting in. I know that she has been putting in so much work, and it's just also the idea that when it comes down to it, because you see a lot of the like, you know, while they're playing the games, especially from like, because by the time the Instagrams are being updated, the North American games are coming in for, like, the Chinese teams and, like, the the Asian side of, the like, the competition. And they're posting how, like, they're all just playing, like, literally one right next to each other. 
if they're all living in the same house, which is kind of like how Houston is. Like, a handful of them all live together in the same, you know, little building. But it's just, it comes down to it where it's like, okay, so how are we going to do this so that they can have a face cam when, like, let's say, Fleta and somebody is right next to each other when they're playing the games, you know? It's like, will they be able to cut out the excess noise? And I have a feeling that, like, the people who do the, like, video part and the sound part of Overwatch League are very, like, they are working extremely hard, like, because they go from the, like, 1 o'clock a.m. games for us to the, like, noon games. So they get, like, the, what, couple hours of sleep and then they're, like, right back onto games. So I think what they're doing for how they're doing it is good. I just feel like it would be at this point where they're, they, I would assume they would hope they could get, like, double staffed somehow to get more people doing sound engineering for like the like 1 a.m games so that the people who do the sound engineering for the 1 a.m games don't have to like get two hours sleep because it's like 3 a.m they got to be up to do other like they're doing 3 a.m and then gotta get up to do the north america games i would think hopefully that they would be able to find a way to get people switching on and off and then everything slowly getting to work because again it's going to be hard for people to get webcams when everything is you know we'll get it to you by the end of the month maybe depending on how we decide to ship things yeah and then we're gonna go to some gossip nathan if you'd like to read some of the the names that are we're dropping in this gossip section. So the Vancouver Titans. Uh, there's there's some uh, some interesting words flying around about them. Yeah. Xavier. Yeah. So like to, uh, basically, the Vancouver Titans just like went zero dark thirty out of nowhere. So basically, all the players and like coaches took off all Titans branding from all their social media. Uh, the Titans just didn't play for two weeks after getting destroyed in their return games. Hoxel didn't play in the return game, so things were weird on that end. And nobody knows, no people ask, Titans don't say anything. Nobody knows what's going on. All we know is that the players are mad, and some of the other players in the Overwatch League know, and they've kind of referred to, like, yeah, we would be pissed too. So all yeah. there's left to do is, like, speculate. And speculation is, like, stupid because no one knows anything because they don't say anything. But what we do know is they were in Asia, like, two weeks ago. They got destroyed. And now they're apparently going to be moved back to North America to compete in North America. And if the players are already mad, having to pack up everything, go to Asia, and then suddenly have management be like, hey, actually... Uh, get everything ready. You're gonna move back to North America. If your players are pissed. yeah, if your players are already mad at you, and now they suddenly have to move again, like a week after, a week after they just moved, it's going to hurt tensions even more. So I don't know what's yeah. going on with them, but it's going to be interesting to see when they do play this coming weekend, or do they play this coming weekend? Yeah, when they when they play 
this coming weekend, like, who's going to play? Like, like are, yeah, are players know, going to, like, for... say, screw you and just not play? Do they have, like, another roster? Like, it's, it's, so many weird things are happening. Yeah, I remember when you told me that, like, Haxel had taken off of his, like, Twitter that the, like, Vancouver Titans thing. And, like, everybody, I was kind of seeing it on Twitter being, like, mentioned. And everybody was like, oh, he's getting traded. That's That explains why he didn't play. And then, like, suddenly, like, 30 minutes later, everybody was like, wait, wait, wait. Nobody has the Vancouver Titans thing on any of their stuff. And it was just, like, it blew up really fast. And, you know, it's it's just one of those things. There's also been... Just before I mean, we go, I was gonna say, like obviously the the players are upset. Yeah. So this is definitely not true. But if it weren't for the fact the players are were apparently upset based on like what we've heard, uh, they could just be rebranding. But like, yeah. If it was, I mean, yeah. I would also not put it past the players to be upset just over the moving, even if they weren't upset before that. Because we don't know how far out they had that information. So yeah, when they initially been, were upset, it could have been about that. Yeah, it could have been something along the lines of, like, they moved out, they lost because they were moving and they hadn't gotten time to do scrims or anything beforehand. And then they're like, oh, by the way, you're moving back. Like, I'd be pretty pissed. And also in the, like, the situation that, we're, like, the world is in, like, that is just annoying and risky in general. And I would understand if players and staff are just, pissed off at like the management um before we move on to a few other gossip things i had seen uh because this kind of ties into the chinese teams and like those kind of uh like issues that some of the um i think neptuno and one other person had to leave the charge because of visa issues so like there's another thing that we're gonna have to take into consideration because it's very sad because neptuno is like my favorite player on the charge right now so it's like he'll probably still get to play but it'll probably be more issues coming from that and then moving on to the next piece of gossip nathan yeah so on uh on a recent stream sinatra hinted that he may be moving to a pro csgo i'm sorry i mean valorant And that he seemingly has an offer, and how bad would it be for the league if Sinatra switched to Valorant? Uh, he's totally... I don't know, I think he's totally going to Valorant. Like, it's all he plays now. Oh, no, yeah. I think he's going. So, here's the thing. I don't think, if he goes, and if he's gotten an offer, then obviously there's already things in the moves for a Valorant, Valorant league or something along esports-wise. And knowing what companies do and tend to have their fingers in esports he could still be with energy and if that's the case i don't think it's so much of an issue of like oh no he's leaving the league like he already hasn't been playing because he's been playing so much valorant so i and shock still has like solid management so they're just losing a face and i don't think that it's like that big of a panic issue because it's like it's panic but it's also like 
I mean, so... There's people that leave games and, like, leagues all the time. Here's here is the other thing. That are big names. You know what Valorant I mean? Valorant is not a proven eSport yet. It does not have a, like, huge pro league following yet. It doesn't have what the Overwatch League has yet. We don't know if it'll even take off. For all we know, the game could somehow get stuck in developmental hell, never stop being, like, a beta, don't get updates, like... See, I would, I think Valorant, I think Valorant is like more of a sure thing than Overwatch, to be honest, just because Riot Games does have so much experience building League of Legends. I think my biggest thing about this is, one, like, Sinatra, if they're offering you hella money, like, yo, take the money. Like, I'm always down for players doing what's going to get them the most money, because you never know when people are just going to be like, we don't like Sinatra anymore, And, and he suddenly isn't making pro level money so get your money while you can my biggest issue is we saw this when overwatch league players kind of transitioned from team fortress and 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 other games into overwatch is you know that first year or two of competition you're gonna look hella nice but once you start getting pros coming in that have only played valorant and might you know have dabbled in csgo but like valorant is their game I, I think I, I worry that Sinatra might not be able to keep up in terms of competitiveness, but also he's so young yeah. that he's so young and he's apparently very talented at the game that it's something that like maybe he's just one of those dudes that's really good. It's it's just it's balancing out like known money. Like you know you're gonna have a job forever as long as the Overwatch League goes for however long it goes, versus maybe a potential more potential highs in Valorant, but it's definitely like a lesser known kind of quantity. You don't know if you're going to be as good as other top pros at Valorant. Like you, you don't know, but you know, you're a really good Overwatch player and you know, you're a fan favorite. So you have to balance kind of those two things out, but I just totally see him switching to Valorant and it's just a hope that uh, energy can keep him on the roster and you can at least keep him in the fold you know, and have him kind of be, like, your first big Valorant star or something. And you kind of drive your brand. I mean, to be fair, like, for all we know, like you're saying, as they transferred from, like, TF to, to uh, Overwatch, uh, they looked really good. And then suddenly, you know, the people who had just been playing Overwatch came in and it's like, maybe these guys aren't so good. If Sinatra just immediately is, like, the first person who's confirmed, like, pro-Valorant player... He can almost just skate off of that, just from that, like, like being able to say, I'm that guy. Bro, Taimu like, skated off that for, like, ever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but also, like, if this is all he's playing, if he's playing it so much that's, like, it's like taking, taking away from his time, time playing Overwatch, Overwatch who's, to, who's say to say he won't, he won't be, like, like one, of the, one of the most dominant players for, for a really, really long, long time, time, even with people who just come up through, through the, the game. game? Yeah, I think um, what I have to... Like, like say, say is, is so, so if it's something like this where it's like, like he leaves, leaves goes, goes to Valorant, and then, and then in like three years there's another esports game, game it's just going to become that pattern where it's just like, oh, you're really, really good? good? Okay, okay, move on. on. And then when he gets to that third game that like whatever it might be, it's like, well, now you're the old man because he's like 25. But now you're the old man and you need to... You, you know, know, you need to start, start thinking about not playing the, the being in the league, league anymore. So it's like, sure, chase the money, get the bag when you can, but also think of 
how, how things, things are going to, like, how, how things, things are going to shift, and also, and also take into consideration, consideration whether or not, like, that, that game is going to get enough people to, to get, get behind, behind it. Because, because like, we've, we've talked about how with, with Overwatch, it was easy for people who were just very casual players to get into the league. Like, because it's, it's just, just like, it's, it's easy, easy to play. play. Anyone, Anyone can play it as, as long as they can, can you know, try. And, and then that, that leads to a very casual league fan base, but a very passionate one. And you get a very, like, you get fans from all different kinds of things. things. Even fans, fans that are just football fans, fans that take, take their, their son, son to the game on a Saturday night because they're like, screw it, why not? I, I want to I wanna see this Dallas team that my kid talks about all the time. So it's, so it's like, like that, 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 that comes out and that works. So when, so when it, comes it comes to a different game, game it's, it's like you're going to only have these, these kind of fans. And, and sure, sure, cool, it's, 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 it's great, but it's also just... It will, it will be harder for me to follow Sinatra to Valorant because I won't want to play that game because of just how the game is set up. I mean, Valorant's boring as shit to play. Like, just yeah. as somebody that enjoys faster-paced games, like... Like, I would even enjoy, like, Diabolic, or is it, like, Diabolical? Like, the basically Quake? Uh, I I enjoy those type of games and faster-paced shooters than I do, like, Counter-Strike, where it's, like, super slow. Uh, so to me, Valorant's boring as shit to watch, but I totally understand why Valorant is going to be a huge game just based off of the people that are behind it and the people that are going to, like, you know, give their life to make Valorant so good. You know, I, I, I understand mm-hmm. that. But I definitely see, you know, they're just being like, oh, you know, like a hard transition. A lot of people are going to want to transition to Valorant. And it's just, can you cut through, you know, kind of all the bullshit, all, you know, all the random like tier three Overwatch and CSGO players are like, I'm going pro in Valorant. Like, can you cut through that and be truly great? Um, But like, I don't get hurt over players like leaving or switching games like doesn't bother me like if sinatra leaves cool like i mean yeah like good yeah it's like good for you but like he's not the only reason why i watch overwatch and if he leaves like he's not the reason why i'm a fan of the shop is basically what i'm saying like if if sinatra leaves super leaves oh well oh well too bad so sad like but they were on the team so it's like that's something that that's a memory you'll always get to have I might feel the type of way if Moth ever left though but it's just like it's just like i don't know like just do what you want like if he leaves cool like like sure like it sucks for the league having your mvp leave but okay whatever celebrate him then be like hey thanks for the great two years in the league thanks for being such a great member of our of our family here have fun in valorant like i i I don't know i just don't see it as like this big like oh my god if sinatra leaves league's dead like yeah maybe i'm just more casual about it where i'm just like hey if he goes he goes there's still other stars in the league like suddenly, like it's that Bay Area. Yeah, like if it's like Bay Area mentality. Like if like, I would feel more freaked out if do if like Sinatra, Fleta, Prophet, and like Gushway all left at once to play Valorant. Then it's like, oh my god, this is a panic moment. But if it's just Sinatra leaving and maybe like a handful of yeah, like a handful of other players leave, then it's like, hey, you saw another game that you really enjoyed. You want to play it, like cares like you're still in esports you're still here like your presence is still felt like cool do your thing get yeah. your bag 
And then, per usual, to end it out, the the Team Envy dropped their contenders roster, which we all kind of expected, but still, contenders is still dying slowly, which I feel like we talk about every episode, even when it's been, like, weeks in between episodes, we kind of cut back in, bring it up. Guess what, contenders is still dying. <laughs> it's still dying, guys. It's still going away. I do feel like... A type of way we talk about how they never show contenders. I brought this up to Xavier. <laughs> they don't. They never show contenders content. And then on YouTube, like a week ago, Overwatch was like, "Here's our top contender player players," and I was like, "They're watching us. They know. <laughs> they know we're talking shit." Doa and Monte Cristo gonna show up to my house and beat my ass. The the thing about like contenders is people want to watch like. Overwatch? Like, people do. Like, that, um, Echo show match-like tournament that happened, where it was, like, the community tournament, people loved that. And obviously, like, every tournament is going to be, like, Dante, Jake, Fran, and, like, Kareev on a team, but there are a lot of really good, like, second-tier teams and players that people just like to watch. And the Mm -hmm. issue is, Contenders doesn't one, they don't stream it anywhere. Like, you can't really get into contenders right now. Uh, and there's just no excitement over it. Like, outside of, like, maybe Korean contenders. But even then, like, you can't really watch Korean contenders easy. Um, but, like, you see people really want to watch, like, a grassroots Overwatch tournament. That's why the Echo match was good, because it felt grassroots. That's why the upcoming tournament that Fran is setting up where it's a community tournament with no Overwatch League pros, people are excited about that because like, yo, people like watching Overwatch. People like enjoying the game. I just think Blizzard made a big mistake of making their below Overwatch League scene, their tier two scene so restrictive where it's like the official path to pro and you have like, you kind of got to follow the path to pro through open division and contenders and I think they would have been better off if it was just if it was just like every other game on earth where there's a lot of community tournaments and you play those and you get a name off those and then you might play in like a big major tournament and then you might end up in the league if you're really, really good instead yeah, of like this super about- structured corporate feeling uh, like uh, method of becoming a pro, which like no one no one likes. It's esports like people are yeah. weird. There was something about when we uh, when I had watched the um the Washington Justice during the Australia like that little like fun they played with some of the Australian contenders teams and they just it was just like team Corey versus team Stratus and it was just an intermixed like roster and it's like that's fun like if you were a team that like perhaps made it through a tournament and they were like okay you're going to play alongside with some of the pros from contenders and then if you win with the pros and contenders like your team plus like the contenders team will go on to play with like an overwatch league team that'd be cool like just for fun like it's just splitting the team in half or doing something like that and then it's just like you get to have these fun moments and i think that is something that blizzard did miss out on not having more just local fun like tournaments where it's like here's the community this is the community not everyone wants to just break pro some people just want to play and they're good at it but they're not 
they don't have the time to stack in 2,000 something hours into the game on a weekly basis. I feel it. RIP contenders. Boston Academy is the last remaining academy team in contenders. So at least Boston won something, I guess. (laughs) At least Boston wins something. See, Boston needs those academy players so that they can drop them as soon as they're on their team so that they can drop even more championship-level players. You know, that's what Boston do. It's the Boston method. They can't lose if they don't give the championship players to other teams. Yo, can so we can we like still talk about like I just can't get over the shock having striker on their team. Like it bothers me every weekend when I see them play and I'm like who gave you striker for like nothing? It's so st- it's so stupid to me. Like <laughs> striker is so good at this game. Like who the hell was just like who was like here you go San Francisco have striker like Boston be like, oh, you guys, you guys kind of sucked this first season. Here, have our best player. Why don't you guys suck anymore? What's going on there, guys? What's what's up? Who allowed Stryker to come to the shock? <laughs> like it's so unfair. Yeah. So this week, in Overwatch news, the Asian game Shanghai beat the Charge and Seoul three zero. Uh, to move to 8-1 and one this season. Are, are Shanghai the best team in the league? I does as have to know. Um, I think Shanghai is one of the better games, like, teams in the league, but also we know the history with Seoul Dynasty and just they tend to disappoint on games where you think they should win. So it doesn't surprise me that, you know, Shanghai came out and beat them. Shanghai, we already knew, was a very good team going into this season. So it does all point to New York next week, like the game. Because uh, New York returned this weekend beating Chengdu 3-0, and Chengdu uh, didn't get a single point at all that game. And then they also clapped the charge. So it's like, will we... Will we see that Shanghai actually has what it takes? Because New York is known for being, like, the number three in the league. It's, like, one of the top three teams in the league. So no matter what going and thinking of it, Shanghai has to prove themselves against New York coming into this next week. No matter what, before I can confidently say Shanghai is one of, is the best league in the game, like, best team in the league. Because otherwise it's just like they're, you know, they're top, but they're not the best. The best. Yeah. Those moments. I think you have to beat New York. Like straight up, I want to just say they're like the best team in the league. Uh, but you got to beat New York because New York is the stiffest test that they're that they've played so far. Seoul mm-hmm. is hella nice, but I don't think they're at the level of like a Philly or a San Francisco. Like, Seoul still has... I think Seoul's, like, a later season team where they're going to be, like, really nasty later on. But I still think that they're, like, working stuff out. But Shanghai is, like... Feels like a fully-fledged, completed entity at this point. Uh, But Shanghai, I mean, they've basically just been, like, rotating through Hangzhou, Guangzhou, and uh, Chengdu for, like, the past couple weeks. So... Like Philly. Yeah, so they're, like, stomping 
the other Chinese teams, which like, yeah, we knew they were going to do that. But I think this New York game, because New York is an elite team, like they're undisputably a top team. So if they go in there and beat New York, then they are the best team in the league. Like I, I would just say bar none. And looking at just how they perform as a team, um, they're terrifying because Fleta is looking like in rare form. Like like he's he's a rare meme right now. Okay, Fleta. Like no, I think it was on Rialto. Spiciest of memes. Yo, I think it was on like Rialto. I forget which game it was in, but on Rialto, he's just like hitting direct rocket after direct rocket after direct rocket as as Farah and you can't kill him like he's unstoppable and at that to him sitting next to dudes like dm and lip who are equally as terrifying and you don't know who to target if you target dm cool fleta is destroying you point blank easy then you just look at the rest of their team and i would specifically point to lee jay gone as sort of like this tempo setter because he's like the the most aggressive Lucio I've ever seen ever. Like I love watching him. I love I absolutely adore watching from like just him playing because it's it's insane. But yeah, no, go on. So he sets this tempo of just pure aggression, and I and I I've, I've said about all the best teams in the past, and this was a hang up with New York, you know, last year, is that you know what the shock and the Titans did so well was they just set the initiative they said we are you give us an inch we're we're taking a mile and they mm-hmm. pounce on every little opportunity and shanghai you know kind of backed by dudes like fleta and Li Gon are playing with that like hyper aggression where you make a tiny mistake and they are just running forward and you don't have time to react you don't have time to to play smart and, and think things through because Shanghai is just firing on all, all cylinders. And it's led mm. by just the hyper aggressiveness of like Lee Gon constantly going for like these boops and stuff. And he's opening all these opportunities and everybody else just falls in line. It's, it's very, you know, comparing every Lucio to Moth is getting old, but it is very Moth-like where you can see him control the tempo of the game with with his yeah, play for sure. and you can tell he's not a lucio that's like more supportive he's he's more uh he's, he's more of like a leader in game where you can just kind of you watch his point of view in the replay viewer and you can just see he's controlling how this game is going you know when he speed boosts you're dead because he sees an opening and the entire team is going to run through that opening so Shanghai is is disgusting, and they're as disgusting as we thought they would be. Now it's just to beat the big boys, New York, and you're the best team in the league to me. This is going to be a hard-ass game, because New York is New York, and they don't lose to anybody. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree. Um, so moving into the North American games, uh, per usual... I kind of half watched the games. Oh, well, it was one of those. It was one of those weekends where you're like, okay, I'm gonna watch the Chinese games because Seoul, Hangzhou, Shanghai, Guangzhou, all of them very fun. New York, and then it's like 
You got Atlanta and Philly, and I kind of already knew that Atlanta was not going to be Philly because Philly is one of the best teams on the East Coast. And then San Francisco versus Valiant, you're kind of like, well... See, I watched that game just to see San Francisco destroy the Valiant. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you gotta you got to watch the San Francisco games when you can watch them. But it was also just another thing where it's like, well, we know the outcome, but we want to see them get stopped. And then Chinese games again totally runs totally different metas than like the North American games. So it's like much more interesting to watch them. How they work around the hero bands is a lot more interesting, which I think Zoe put like points out herself and how interesting it is to watch them play from like their perspective, uh, like from how they play with around hero bands. And then, I mean, Florida clapped Boston. Should we, should we care about Boston? And then, uh, you know, the Dallas, the Texas, the Battle of Texas games were also very interesting because it was the, you know, another close matchup because we knew that those would be the closest matchups in our preseason talks. So go ahead. Go ahead with your statement. Well, I I would just say the games are all good. Like, I I do enjoy the matchups. I just think there is a lack of of stakes and kind of newness that the tournaments will kind of help with. Because of the Chinese games, like, we haven't seen them for months. And so it's just fun to watch them actually get the chance to play. But with the North American teams, like, I've watched, basically, I've watched Philly play a lot. I've watched Paris play a lot. So, like, I kinda, it's a known quantity. Now I'm like, all right, I want to see you play for something. I want to see something come out of you. But I think the biggest storyline out of North America is just Carpe's statistical dominance. And, and I think Carpe's MVP case this season. And it's just an interesting storyline because Philadelphia... You know, like, yeah, they look great, but it just, there's something about after every single game, like you go on Twitter and you see Captain Planet tweet out like another stupid Carpe stat where it's like, oh, look at Carpe broke a record for final blows on this map again, or Carpe did this again. And it's just like every single game, Carpe is just putting up like some kind of historic stat or some kind of like unlikely who the hell does this anyway type stat and that's exciting like i like seeing carpe live up to to his greatness because he he is great and now it looks like he may add an mvp award to that greatness and now you know which he totally deserves yeah and no one can talk trash about carpe so hard yeah yeah so i i enjoy watching that and outside of that just Seeing how all the teams are sort of adapting to everything is interesting. Uh, I think another big storyline is just Atlanta looking like Atlanta still. And I, I would have to go. I would have to go back and look back at like what we said during the preseason. Um, but I don't think I, I don't think I had Atlanta as like the number two team. At least I feel like I didn't because even if I did, I was going. Even if I had them as number two. It was just to, like, go with everyone else. But, like, Atlanta is playing like Atlanta now. Like, they're playing kind of like 50-50 ball. And Atlanta looks really good sometimes, but they don't look great sometimes. Like, that's exactly what Atlanta did last year. So, they look questionable, and they're definitely... I, I wouldn't even say they're top five right now. I, I would not have them in my top five, but it's clear that... I don't know. They're, they're just... 
a very good team. There's just something stopping them from getting over the hump. Yeah, no, for sure. I just, it's, it's per usual. I think I said Atlanta was something I'd have to wait and watch because there hadn't been a lot of movement in the preseason and what movement they had done, it wasn't like, oh my God, here they go. And we just kind of, I think we said if it had stayed doing how it was going to be done, that they would have done really well in their division, which was like that uh, southeastern kind of teams. And we said Atlanta probably would have done really well when it was just those teams that they had to go against. But when it changed and went back up to like, oh, it's the eastern, the like it's the Atlantic, Pacific, and then the Asian teams, it kind of went back to, well, Atlanta's not gonna look as powerful when they go against especially philly when you know all they've been doing is putting out crazy stuff thanks to carpe and then new york which we know is a powerhouse so it's like we kind of saw that coming already because we kind of knew that it was going to be 50 50 just like last year but if it was them just going against like houston florida those teams then it would have been like, oh, this is definitely where they're the strongest. It's the same thing with, like, I think Washington, where we were like, if they just got to go against these few teams, they would have looked, we would have been talking about them in a greater light than we are now. But because everything's kind of gone back how it was last season, we can't be, like, throwing as much praise to them as we could. And that's why I think we can to the Chinese teams, because... They're all still in their one division alone, in a way. Yeah, but they're like they're they're fine, and and yeah. I still think they're like top, but they're definitely not. The expectation of like, oh my god, Ursa Edison are gonna like destroy the league has has not happened. I feel like I haven't heard much from Erster or Edison like at all this season. I I feel like I've heard more about Baby Bay putting up like crazy stats in his games than I've heard from Erster Edison. Now, is that just, they're so good that like, who cares? Like, why do we need to talk about them? Like alarm, like alarm plays crazy, but no one talks about him. Cause it's just like, yeah, he plays great. Like cool. Or like Jonak, like, yeah, of course he's great. Maybe that's it. But there's definitely a lack of like, uh, excitement around their DPS duo. That was supposed to be like this crazy unstoppable force. Now it's just like, yeah, it's it's them. And and it seems like Baby Bay is the guy that like is putting up these crazy numbers and is and is having like historic maps and stuff. Um so that's just like an interesting thing looking at Atlanta is how their storyline is so much different. It it feels like there isn't much excitement around that team, but you know, maybe that's just like shit, you played Philly. Like yeah, you're gonna lose to Philly. But you're still really good. It's just you ha- you kind of have to be a little bit more skeptical of of Atlanta, uh, similar to how I'm skeptical to the you know Gladiators. Uh, you know I think they're that Gladiators tier of really good team, but like chill out, please. Yeah, stop hyping <laughs> over hyping them. Jesus Christ! Has, when the gla- yeah. like when the when the Gladiators beat the Shock and everybody was like, are the Gladiators top five? Like, please shut up, please. Sure stop stop talking you're hurting yourself you look dumb right now please but 
Please, you're digging the hole you will be buried in when Shock fucking snaps back them next time they play and fucking flawlessly destroys their asses. Which is what happened. It's just so funny because they get beat by you're both like, LA, LA teams and everyone's like, is Shock the worst team in California? And then the next week they come back and clap them both in this like, weekend. realize that dumbass. And I'm like, y'all... Did that with like... People did that with New York. Where like they lost yeah. to they lost to Philly. It's their only loss this season, mind you. They lost to Philly, and suddenly people were like, "Oh my God, is New York overrated? Oh my God, how are they doing?" It's like, wait, 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 chill, chill out. They lost so the one game. game of the opening weekend. Yeah, they lost one game. They looked. They didn't even they 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 dropped like a map or two to like Paris, but they still won. And suddenly it's like, oh my God, is New York overrated? Like, please. Sometimes you're gonna drop a map, like it's every 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 single. Yeah, last night playing gunfight, I went ten one our last map. Like you know, sometimes you drop one game. Everyone, everyone that like does the statistics for Overwatch League sees one bad game. They're like they miss the point on control for point two seconds. They're losing. This outlier of the, information. They are. They are the worst team. Definitely represents the best. They are the worst team in the Overwatch League. I can't help but tell you that now. No Washington, other team has lost in this specific way. Therefore, therefore, Washington Justice is the best team in the Overwatch League. It's like a Watch Mojo video. The sports, you know, like. <laughs> Welcome to stupid overreactions after, like, Sunday night football where, like, Aaron Rodgers throws, like, three interceptions and suddenly it's like, is it time to trade Aaron Rodgers from the Green Bay Packers? Is he falling off? And it's like, yo, dog, like, we still won the game. Yeah. My favorite thing is, like, you hear people talk like that and it really just sounds like, like, verbal fucking clickbait. Like... It does! Is the San Francisco Shock the shittiest team since the Shanghai Dragons? All I'm saying is, like, if I ever get that kind of, like, sports clout, I'm totally becoming a hot take machine. Like, I'm already like that, but, like, I believe the crap I'm saying. But, like, if if I got, like, the type of popularity where I could, like, snap my fingers and have, like, a 2,000-person Twitter mob at me, oh, I guarantee I would be saying, like, way more inflammatory stuff. I would be, like, you know, uh, pick a team. I guess, like, Dallas Fuel or something. I'd be like, I'd be like, oh, the Dallas Fuel, like, Decay and Doha are overrated. Like, they're putting up empty stats. But like, or I would be just, like, talking just stupid. And I wouldn't believe what I'm saying. But I would just have fun, like, eating chips and looking at my Twitter mentions. But I don't have that kind of clout yet. Uh, but if you do want to give me some of that clout, uh, follow me on Twitter, at Xavier Seabass. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at Scrapyard Media. You can also do that on Instagram and, of course, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Check out our new YouTube videos. More videos coming soon. You may even catch me crushing shit in gunfight on Call of Duty, even though this is an Overwatch League podcast. And remember, the world could always use more heroes. Roll outro. Do you come from a land down under?